ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to Questions and Ethics. This is Russell Moore, host of the program, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. I've been away for a couple of weeks. We went on our family vacation and then had a sudden death in our family, and so I've been occupied down south in my homeland for a little while. And while I was gone, some interesting things happened in Georgia. It seems that uh, Mayor Kasim uh, Reed of Atlanta has suspended the fire chief there, Kelvin Cochran, who's a Southern Baptist, who wrote uh, a book, uh, Who Told You You Were Naked?, uh, in which, according to uh, commentaries about the book, uh, people are accusing it of being homophobic because he said that he believes that homosexuality is a sin, and he's been suspended. He's been uh, taken out of his responsibilities uh, right now, and there's a, a firestorm going on of controversy about this, including what probably interested me more than anything today, an editorial in the New York Times called God Gaze and the Atlanta Fire Department, in which they said that, uh, that there's, there's no issue here, that the mayor was right in uh, getting rid or dealing with Chief Cochran. And also, he says that the New York Times says that Cochran's claims of having freedom of speech and religious liberty in these issues, that those things, uh, those things were, were not really issues, because according to the New York Times, here's what they, they say. It shouldn't matter that the investigation found no evidence that Mr. Cochran had mistreated gays or lesbians. His position as a high-level public servant makes his remarks especially problematic and requires that he be held to a different standard. And so I immediately wanted to talk to my friend Eric Erickson, uh, who is, uh, of course, the editor of RedState.com, Fox News contributor, and also the host of the Eric Erickson show uh, there in Georgia because he knows Atlanta, he knows the scene, and he also knows the issues of religious liberty going on uh, around the country right now. And so, Eric, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What in the world is going on in Atlanta? This, this, well, this sort of thing isn't supposed to happen in Georgia, is it? 
No, it's not. People are taken by surprise. The, the fire chief suspended, now fired. Uh, and the reasons for the firing, the mayor says, is because of his bad judgment in writing the book, his bad judgment in speaking out once he was suspended, which he didn't actually do, and his uh, chance of opening the city to discrimination. Well, interestingly enough, today, in addition to the New York Times editorial, the city released the internal review, mm-hmm. and they found that not only did the fire chief not discriminate, and not only were there no instances of him making homosexual employees feel uncomfortable, but in fact, there was a situation while he was fire chief where firemen in uniform posed in front of a Chick-fil-A support, to support Dan Cathy's comments about yeah. gay marriage, and he had them disciplined for being in uniform and taking a stance for traditional marriage. Now, the, the argument from the New York Times is that, well, he was the fire chief who wrote the book, but he didn't do it as the fire chief. He didn't yeah. do it in uniform. Uh, the, the whole thing is just really bizarre. People yeah, it, are caught off guard. And the, the union chief, of course, is saying that, uh, that that instance of disciplining those firefighters is why he should have been fired, because he ought to be held to the same standard as uh, as his employees. And but, but the point you're making is it's not the same thing. He, he's writing no. a book as a private citizen. He, he was not in uniform. And he also says that he asked the ethics officer of the city if he could write the book. Uh, she said yes, and he went back to her and asked if it was okay for him in, in the bio to mention he was the fire chief, and she said yes. She now denies that she did this, uh, but Kelvin Cochran has been very consistent throughout the investigation that that happened. There, there's kind of a he said, she said situation, but the overwhelming issue here is how it came about, and based on the public information out there, a retiring fire captain who happens to be lesbian complained to a gay advocacy group in Georgia as she was retiring about the book. The book was written more than a year before she complained. Mm. She did it on the way out, and, and that led to this. The investigation found that he gave his book to nine employees of the city. Six of the employees said they had asked for copies of it. Three of the employees said they did not ask for it. Kelvin Cochran says he does not remember giving it to anyone who did not ask for it. Mm. Hmm. Well, you know what's interesting to me about this entire case is if, if you just step back from the specifics of the case and look at the at the broader question, I mean, it seems like we're dealing with this sort of thing happening all the time, and it, it seems as though the circle of tolerance and the circle of liberality on these things keeps getting smaller and smaller, because uh, when we were talking about Hobby Lobby, uh, for instance, uh, we were being told, well, you can have your, your private beliefs, but you can't, uh, your, your private beliefs can't work work their way out into the way that you live. Now uh, they're, they're coming in and saying it's not only the way that you're, the actions that you're taking, because as you say, the, the report, the internal investigation uh, shows that Chief Cochran wasn't discriminating against people as, as fire chief or mistreating people or doing anything untoward. It's all about his private beliefs and the fact that he has these beliefs uh, about uh, sexuality, which I haven't read the book yet. I have it uh, ordered. and They don't have a digital copy, but I have it uh, on order coming to me. It seems to me, from what I can see, his views here aren't uh, aren't anything different than what classical Christian views across the spectrum would be about sexual relations outside of marriage, but even having those views disqualifies him from being uh, from being in public office. That's certainly what the New York Times editorial board is saying today. 
it, it, that's the position of the mayor and, and gay rights groups in Atlanta as well. Now, I have read the book, and it is a very Christian book. It is about his worldview, and it is directed to young black men and to people in leadership that they need to turn their life over to Christ, and they need to live in a biblical, godly way. I will tell you, the most shocking thing to me, actually, is that the single greatest complaint was not what he said about homosexuality. Now, that's what the, the national media has, has focused on. Mm. But if you follow the conversation online, what people are outraged about is that in his book, the chief, uh, the fire chief says that because he is a Christian, his number one job in life, including as fire chief, is to glorify God, mm-hmm. and he must glorify God by being the best employee he can be and uh, in, in living in, in a godly manner. The number of people who have said in, in Atlanta and around the nation that this means that he would not put out the fire of a gay person's <laughs> house because he wants to uh, be a godly fire chief, it, it, I, I've been blown away by uh, just the complete ignorance of how people view that statement. Yeah, I mean, that that would take not only complete biblical illiteracy, I mean, a- along the lines of the of the uh, reporters who were saying in 1976, now when Jimmy Carter says he was born again, he, he's not meaning that he's receiving audible messages from God. Uh, right. Not only that sort of uh, illiteracy when it comes to uh, religious faith, but also a, a complete lack of knowledge about what the, the minimal level of what Christian uh, believers uh, think, I mean, every Christian would say that everything about his life ought to glorify God. Uh, whatever you, you do, eat or drink, do all to the, to the glory of God. That doesn't mean some sort of theocratic takeover <laughs> of anyone. It, That's... If you listen to a lot of the conversations uh, among gay advocacy groups in Atlanta, that, that is the way they view it, that by glorifying God, it is precluding him then because of his views on gays from taking care of their houses, from from treating them as good employees. Never mind, none of that is in evidence. In fact, the investigation showed that wasn't the case. Uh, this really is about uh, their agenda to silence Christians on this on this issue. It seems very clear. The mayor today came out with an email to his supporters saying they needed to read the New York Times uh, that mm. this was not about faith. He was of faith, too. This was about him making people uncomfortable. But the report showed there was no evidence of him making people uncomfortable. They're trying to have it both ways. Well, the New York Times uh, editorial was chilling. I mean, especially coming right after an op-ed on Sunday that essentially said uh, religious liberty, uh, that that's just a, a license to discriminate, and we, we ought to pay no attention to it, uh, despite the fact that the, the, the issues that, that the op-ed writer is talking talking about are uh, religious freedom restoration acts in the states that that just just a few years ago were being supported by Chuck Schumer by Bill Clinton across the across the spectrum as not being controversial ideologically you have that. Well, therein is the problem. Uh, Georgia is considering a Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it's interesting that the politics of this, uh, the firing of the, of the fire chief, now makes it more likely that Georgia will pass this law, but it also gives more fundraising opportunities to the groups opposed to it. Uh, the mayor, it should be said, we can't leave politics out of this, unfortunately. The mayor of Atlanta did not aggressively back the Democratic nominee for governor, Jason Carter, mm-hmm. uh, this past year. And a lot of people have said he would need to get the urban, white, wealthy, uh, liberal coalition 
in his camp. And a lot of people, myself included, are speculating one of the reasons he was happy to have this fight is because it does get those people back into his camp. And, and so it was a political move as much as anything else. Well, and it just shows us it just shows us what we're dealing with uh, in American culture right now, that this actually is a political wedge issue uh, for some people uh, to say that religious freedom is a problem to be stamped out. I mean, yeah. we see that repeatedly. I mean, I, uh, the, the thing I immediately uh, thought about uh, when this happened, uh, I thought back to Chick-fil-A, I thought back to Duck Dynasty, uh, but also uh, to Louis Giglio, to, to another mm-hmm. Georgian, another Atlantan, uh, that happened uh, when he was uh, invited to, to pray at the inauguration, the second inauguration of President Obama, and then after someone found a sermon that he preached a few years back that was completely in line with what every Orthodox Protestant, every Roman Catholic, and even every Orthodox Jewish or Muslim person would believe he was axed from the program because he's because he's toxic, and I think that 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 shows us things have really really changed since just a few years ago when Bill Clinton was signing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Very much so. I, I say all the time, I guess I coined this phrase, you will be made to care. There are a lot of people who think they can sit on the sidelines, that this issue won't affect them, and more and more people are seeing they're going to be made to care about these issues in their job mm-hmm. uh, if they say anything, if they hold a Christian worldview – if they're public about their faith, uh, they risk termination with these precedents. Well, you know, and not only that, I, I mean, I had uh, some people who talked to me. They're talking about their church. Uh, they live in a, a part of the country that is is not very friendly uh, to religion at all. And they said, you know, we're deacons at, at our church, and we're wondering about whether or not because they, they work for civil service for government in various ways. And I said, we're, we're wondering whether or not our pictures ought to be on the website of the church as deacons uh, because we're afraid we're going to be fired because uh, the supervisors there for the local government uh, will say, well, we, we see what your church believes and we don't want you around here. I mean, uh, that, that would have sounded like a ridiculous concern just a few years ago. It would have. It's amazing how rapidly uh, it has shifted. And I, I get the sense that culture itself has not shifted so rapidly, but mm. the people in authority and the opinion leaders in the country have shifted so rapidly. It, it's a complete disconnect between what they derisively sometimes call flyover country and, yeah. and the leadership in these areas. The The black ministers in the city of Atlanta, the, the Christian community, of which it is the majority, uh, does not support what happened to the fire chief. But the Leaders of opinion from the uh, local newspaper to a lot of the other voices to the political leaders are willing to turn a blind eye to it. Now, when Houston uh, had uh, an issue not very long ago in which the mayor was trying to subpoena churches to send in their uh, their sermons, uh, there was uh, there was enough of a of a backlash that the the mayor and the city council backed down. Uh, do you see that happening in Atlanta at all? I don't see that happening, largely because I said that a lot of the black ministers and Christian community are supportive, and they are, but they haven't been very public about their support. Uh, in particular, I actually had a caller to my radio program in Atlanta uh, last Thursday wanting to know where were the black ministers in the city, why weren't they standing up. Behind the scenes, they've been supportive of Kelvin Cochran, but publicly they have been very, very quiet, mm. and they're going to have to raise their voice for it to be an issue. I don't think at this point it will be reversed, uh, but I definitely think that Kelvin Cochran, given the report from the mayor's office, uh, ironically, the mayor said he was firing Kelvin Cochran because he could 
potentially open the city up to discrimination, the fire chief may have a claim. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you, Eric Erickson. I really appreciate this uh, commentary. It's good to talk to you and uh, grateful for you and your work. Thanks very much. You know, as I think about this issue with uh, Chief Cochran, uh, it reminds me that what we ought to be thinking about when it comes to religious liberty, sometimes we assume that religious liberty is only a government uh, political issue, uh, and it is. We need to be working in the levels of uh, government and of, of uh, public policy. But it's also a cultural issue. If, if you don't have the value of religious freedom and religious liberty being worked for in the culture, then the cultural toxicity of tolerance of people of various uh, religious views, that goes downstream into public policy actions that end up hurting people, and, and not only hurting uh, people who are, are Christians or uh, people who, who are evangelicals who fit into uh, particular categories, but ultimately hurting all people. Because any time that you have a culture that says we're going to restrict the conscience and religious belief in order to just pave over it for something else, for some sort of uh, progress. And these days, progress always seems to mean sexual freedom. When that happens, that ultimately hurts everybody in a society because religious liberty matters for everybody. And so we need to be working not only at the level of government and protecting religious freedom, not just for ourselves, but for everybody, but also working culturally in order to say, how, why does this matter? Why is this important? We need to have churches that are preaching and teaching about why religious liberty matters for everybody, not just for advocates, not just for people who are working in government, not just for lawyers, but for everybody. Why does religious liberty matter to the woman who is working at Walmart? Why does religious liberty matter for the, the person who is raising crops on his farm? It matters for everybody. We need that being talked about internally within our congregations and also talking externally about why liberty of conscience uh, religious liberty is a public good, why it matters for everybody. Because once once this sort of a cultural move happens, uh, then it has implications that just go on and on and on in ways that, that we, we can't even see uh, at the moment. As, as Eric and I were talking about just a few minutes ago, I don't think anybody would have seen this coming five years ago. Ten years ago, certainly would have never seen this coming, and there would have been people if you would have suggested, oh, well, a, a fire chief who just happens to believe certain things about a Christian view of sexuality will be fired for holding those views and for putting those views into print, even though he's not discriminating against anybody in his employ. People would have said, that's crazy, that's, that's conspiracy theory stuff, that'll never happen. But then it does. Uh, and so th I think this has to be a matter of cultural import as well as a matter of political import. And these situations show us that we have a lot of work to do, but we're not the first people to be in this situation. Uh, the, the early Baptists in, in uh, the, this country uh, had to deal with these sorts of, of cultural and political pressures all around them. And then, of course, uh, Christians in every other era and Christians in every other context had to deal with uh, cultures that found their beliefs to be strange and freakish and sometimes even subversive. We just have to make sure we know how to articulate what we believe and why. 
and why religious liberty matters for everybody. This is Russell Moore, and this has been Questions and Ethics. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you have a question about any ethical dilemma that you're facing right now, any question that you have about something you came across reading your Bible or something you came across while you were talking with your neighbor or a problem that you're facing in your family or community, be sure to send that to me at questions at erlc.com. See you next time. Thanks. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.